You know, our next guest from his fantastic work on CBS Sports and, of course, one half of one of the best shows going today, Morning Combat. Brace yourself for a balls bonanza as he's here to art and help also help us preview UFC 265. BC, make it look easy. Brian Campbell, welcome back to Submission Radio, dude. How about this second appearance? We're best friends already. I love it. I love it right now. I feel like we can all go tip to, to something here. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, love the use of the material. They're very well done. And, you know, I leaped at the chance to be back with guys like you who pull this kind of numbers down under. I mean, you guys just pulling clicks or are you pulling the other numbers too? You know, <laughs> oh, Brian, you, you're too kind. I bet you say that to all the Australian podcasts. Um, now, dude, it's it's a pleasure. We love having you on. We lo- a lot of love for yourself and Luke and you guys just killing it with Morning Combat. Um, absolutely love it. But um, we know you don't have a ton of time, so let's get into it, man. Before we get into the actual fight itself, I want to get your thoughts on this glaring shadow hanging over the fight, and that is, of course, the interim title. You know, where, where do you stand on how it came to fruition, considering that France obviously just fought a few months ago? Kind of feels like 50%, you know, we just needed a, a you know a title to headline an event, and the other 50% feels a bit like, hey, John Jones, here's the middle finger to you, and, and Francis also, here's one to you too, you know? Yeah, there's a lot of potential like negative emotion or negative, um, I don't know, like reasoning behind it that that don't help the situation. And I feel like like I want to be more mature than this. I want to be like, hey, I don't care if there's a belt, four belts at stake, no belts at stake. This fight's great. And you know what? The fight is pretty damn awesome. Uh, and I do have to remember that I had these same emotions. I had a UFC 236 in uh, what was that 2019 in Atlanta, which I was Good Lord, blessed to be at with the the double interim title fights with Poirier Holloway and uh, Gastelum Adesanya. And that was a situation, too, where really in both of those fights, I was like, you know, you don't really kind of need an interim title. You're kind of watering down what could already just be a great standalone fight card with title contending bouts. But, you know, sometimes Dana does these things and then they pay off. And then he keeps doing them. And that night paid off big. And I'm going to bite my tongue now and say, maybe... UFC 265 is going to pay off huge and we'll forget this ever happened. But in theory, in practice, I hate it. Why? Because, yes, I say that a lot at Morning Combat. I am the boxing guy. I know the sins of my favorite sport. And if we all remember history, UFC was created by three friends, the, you know, the Fertitas and Dana, the Zufas there, that loved boxing, hated the politics around it, and tried to create something that did it right, right? Like, we all know the origin story here. And this is gratuitously dipping into what boxing does, floating titles that are largely meaningless for the sake of selling tickets and, and, and looking good on TV. And I think in this case, what really broke my heart with this is, look, we all know it's it's, it's a sham. It's bullshit there's an interim title mm-hmm. when Francis Ngannou's three months away from winning it and just said he can come back in September. So this is all bullshit. But an hour or so after this fight was announced, I had an email in my inbox from UFC PR saying, you know, UFC announces four-fight pay-per-view, four-year partnership with Toyota's Houston Center. So it's like, oh, Mm -hmm. that explains it. Um, It doesn't make it any better. It sucks. And I am just such a stickler for, like, I romanticize the, the structural foundation of like the titles matter in UFC. And I've never liked interim titles. I think they only should be there when someone's uh, a decorated champion who's hurt and can't fight. I don't like in history as much as I love Shane Carwin and Carlos Condit that they go down as interim champions. Um, I think there should be some other way to just say what we're doing here. We're having a number one contenders fight. And it's gonna be a great fight. And everything about that is great. But no, you bastardized the entire situation. And in this case, 
It's it's not someone's hurt. They won't be back for six months. It's it's just it's bullshit. So you guys know that I know that. And this is a question I asked Luke the other day in morning combat. Luke Thomas, it's like at, at some point, what, what what's the what's the I'll ask you guys, what's the point where we just stop talking about that sore and just go, oh, yeah, also, it's going to be a good fight. Let's enjoy it. I don't know when that point is. I'm not there yet today. It's interesting. Yeah, well, I was going to say <laughs> I, I was thinking about it, Brian. <laughs> And I was thinking about it, and I'm like, man, I was thinking about those Randy Couture days. You know, a similar thing happened in a lot of ways. Randy was gone, and you had that interim title fight as well. You had the uh, Nogueira and Frank Mir. And I'm just laughing at the fact that 2021, we're still dealing with the same issues. So many things change. So many things haven't. But that that is maybe the most significant interim title fight that I can really remember. And, I mean, there's no doubt about it. I mean, the UFC can name it the UWBO title for all we care because most interim titles like he said are very forgettable and we don't really recognize most guys as interim champions but do you think and would you think it's fair to say that this interim title may actually have a little bit more legitimacy given that aside from lewis's current win streak he also owns a win and maybe it wasn't the most exciting performance but a win over the current champion in nagani no, I, I don't. I don't. I, I think those Love other it. situations I mentioned, there was almost more meaning, right? In that in that Holloway Poirier, it's like, okay, well, Habib can't fight yet, but but you know, I still thought that was gratuitous. It just happened three months ago, and Ghana's not even hurt. He's just needed a little more time. It's just crap. And and anyone saying like BC, who cares, dude? They're getting paid. It's gonna be a great fight. And again, like 236. Dana put these guys in a position to fight, fight for that 1%, right? Fight for that pay-per-view money and the title and everything that graduating to that level brings. And they responded with great fights. This fight could end up being that. But it just, it just, man, it just waters down the thing that should matter the most, right? Why are we in this game? For the day, we're fighting for the to see who's best to win the damn champ. Like that's the most pure. Yeah, there's a lot of bullshit in this. There's politics. There's marketing. There's all that. But at the end of the day, we show up to find out who's best. And this is like to some people, it's whatever. To me, it's like you're going down the wrong path. I've seen people go down this wrong path before. Don't do it, okay? <laughs> Dude, get, get give me the keys, right? You know what I mean? Get get, get out from behind the wheel. Somebody put grandpa down already. You know? Don't don't go over here, please. Yeah, okay, well, let, let, let's look to more positive things. We'll break down the fight itself in a second, but which excites you more? You know, the idea of Derek Lewis and Ngannou coming full circle now with both of them champions, you know, possibly having, you know, the kind of fight people dreamed of back in 2018 when, you know, they basically put everybody to sleep in one of the, the worst fights of the year. You know, the, the idea of riding that wrong or the possibility that Cyril Garn, you know, who made his professional MMA debut one month after that horrible fight and could now be facing his former training partner who holds the actual belt. You know, this isn't quite John Jones and Rashad Evans or, you know, Michael, uh, Shawn Michaels and Marty Jannetty, but you know, it's got intrigue written all over it, BC. Which one excites you more? Oh, you got, you got me with that reference. Mm. Wow. Um, you know, I'd have to say I've been just, it's such a, Cyril gone proving to be this good. And I was late to the party and realizing that he could be this good. My, my colleague, Luke Thomas from a long time back was like, I think this guy's got future title potential. I'm like the French guy, like, yo, he's okay. He's fine. Right. Like he, he beat wash JDS. That's cool. But yeah. like, no, he's made a giant leap. And I think he brings such a unique skill set to the big guys that, that we were waiting for John Jones to bring and hoping that he still will bring that. I think for me, ref refresh, it would be refreshing to see him um, get to this level this quickly, bring that style in with that, 
great gas tank, the ability to, to dance on his toes like he's a middleweight at six foot five and just bring something different. And I think when you add in this part of the marketing, okay, I don't like the marketing of the interim title. Do I like the marketing of UFC trying to go into different countries and maybe going back to France, a, a nation where, you know, the sport was ridiculously banned for the last X amount of years and potentially have French-born Cyril Gaon versus came of age while he was in France, Francis Ngannou and all the other storylines that we're talking about here. Uh, dude, can we put a cage under the Eiffel Tower? Like, you know, <laughs> I mean, like, this, this is to me, this is like central casting and great marketing. I think the Lewis Ngannou fight is one of those rematches that we're going to see anyway. I still have a bad taste in my mouth from having sat there front mm. row, you know, and, and, and I usually say in the John Morgan seat, well, next to the blue shirt, I was in the yeah. next to the John Morgan seat, but you know, that was a stinker when we all expected, uh, sex, right? We all expected yeah. like, you know, we got a, we got a Cinemax B movie. We're like, can, can you, you know, can you take it all <laughs> off please? Uh, but at the end of the day, no, I, I think Gantz potentially special. And that's why I think if you can get me to get past the interim title BS, I really like the style contrast in this fight, in this main event on Saturday. And I really like the idea gone using this as sort of a see where he's at for a guy who doesn't have the exact same style, but is a slugger nonetheless mm. of Nganu, I'd rather go down that road. Hey, listen, if they could set rush hour three of the Eiffel Tower, I think a cage underneath it is one step up. And, you know, I don't know if Ghan will be putting uh, Francis Nagano through a barbershop window, but definitely there's going to be some <laughs> serious heat going in here. I'm curious, though, man. All right. So we're talking about this interim title and these great storylines. Then you've got John Jones and Stipe there as well. And you go, how do these guys fit in here? And having those guys in the shadows, John Jones up in the rafter like Sting, does that sort of take away any legitimacy or power from that belt? Because you'd think that if John Jones signs that deal tomorrow, that belt magically disappears. And all of a sudden, John Jones is in there. And just to add to what Dennis was saying, is it just me or does it feel like the MMA world has kind of forgotten John Jones? He was all the talk it's a few weeks and months ago. Just crickets now. Okay, do you know what what I think is the reason why? And it's not even related to John Jones. Let me let me recap real quickly. Like I was that day one dude back in the back in John Jones light heavyweight prime, who's like, one day this guy's going to heavyweight and he's going to win the championship and be a two division champion. And he's going to put himself as the goat so far above of everyone. And I don't think he's going to lose at heavyweight. Why? Because I do think his length mixed with speed and ability to, to, to box and kickbox. I just think they're going to have a lot of problems picking that up. I've been standing on that mountaintop, you know, waving the flag for a long time until Francis Ngannou just said, uh, said Stipe to, to the deep dark depths. And then we were like, Oh shit. He just leveled up in like the scariest way ever. Like the most, you know, bad guy villain in a movie, like holy freaking crap ever. I think that's more in line with the idea of, of John Jones taking a little bit of a step back than even the whole money issue, which is the main reason why he's not debuting right now at heavyweight. So it's very interesting. I just think like that was the first moment where even I was like, you know, I'm not really sure John Jones gets out of the first round against this mm -hmm. version of Nganu. So I look at John Jones now as like a bonus for us at heavyweight. In heavyweight, historically, guys, we all know this. That's why we celebrated Stipe, you know, getting two or three title defenses together in a row as like this great, massive thing mm -hmm. because it's been such a transient division, not just because of the fact that you got four ounce gloves and big dudes, but you know, Randy Couture had been stripped or times or, or lost and came back. We haven't had, we never got to see Kane in a full reign. So, to finally have players 
like unlockable players here. Like it's a video game, you know, it's great. It's still not deep, but it's top heavy and sexy. So I'm going to let John Jones and new advisor, Richard Schaefer and all this BS about fighter pay, which, you know, this is one of the rare times I do back John Jones in this case, you know, I think we all shouldn't in some way we should be backing the fighter pay push. But uh, when he does come, it's going to be massive front page news and a giant pay-per-view, whether he debuts for the title or debuts against Stipe or freaking debuts against Brock Lesnar. For all we know, it's going <laughs> to matter. Um, I don't sit here and go, Hey, this is great that we got a main title and interim title, but no one's fought John Jones yet because, uh, I think Francis winning it for me felt like a new era had potentially begun. So this is going to be interesting really for me, Francis against everyone. And now you got Cyril gone in the middle of this and you know, he might be the best of them all for all we know, or maybe he ends up looking at the lights on Saturday. Uh, heavyweight's fun again. What guys, when was the last time heavyweight was really fun? There was like a window there with Kane and Brock and JDS. Right. But it never, it didn't really work out. I think yeah. I think heavyweight was kind of a disappointment. It was like so many legacies that just were never fulfilled. You know, all these expectations that were never met. And Stipe kind of did it. And now heavyweight's great, man. I'm so looking forward to you know the winner of this fight and you know what happens. Um, but just looking at the fight itself, you know, we know Garn is um, no stranger. Obviously, five rounds, so that's good. He's got that preparation. He's you know very technical, very calculated. He's not afraid of you know having a very disciplined, if not overly exciting game plan. But how do you think that matches up with a guy like Derek? Lewis, who's never out of the fight and has, you know, been known for these crazy come from behind victories where he's been getting picked apart and he he carries that power all the way to the very end of the of, of the fight. And also, I wonder, you know, with Dana being a little bit critical over Garn's, you know, great wins, does that put extra pressure on Garn to maybe, you know, do something extra? Not, not that he needs to, but I wonder if under this spotlight, he's going to feel that pressure. I think if there was doubt whether he would get the next title shot, if John Jones was ready, then you could put some kind of pressure on, oh, he's got to entertain. No, there's an interim title at stake. That tells you he's getting next, or so we think, right? We've seen guys unceremoniously stripped of interim titles in the past few years, Colby Covington, Tony Ferguson, whatever. But uh, I think in this case, it's, it's survive in advance, and that's what you have to do against Derek Lewis. So when you look at the matchup, Everything that you said right there is telling me that this is Gon's fight to win. Yeah, he's going to be in his opponent's backyard. Yeah, a lot of things, but he does have very strong poise and and in an IQ and a real mind for this game that that doesn't give me fear. But yet, it's like that's the perfect setup for Derek Lewis to remind us that he's got this otherworldly power, right? It's like every time you want to count this guy out, he does something massive. I never thought we would see Derek Lewis again at the highest level after that Cormier fight. There was mm. just something about the way he carries himself and the quotes he uses that I felt like that was the moment he realized he could be really great at this. He had his moment. He trained the best he could. He went out there and, you know, and he got absolutely dominated and exposed like worst case scenario in a lot of ways. But, you know, to his credit, man, just keeps finding a way to get back in here. I don't want to discount like him at home in a, in a miracle late knockout. And certainly if Cyril Gunn isn't all that we think he is, then, you know, he can get caught late and he should get caught late if he's not all that we think he is. But it's really hard when you got the guy with that level of stamina, footwork, you know, layers to his offense, the way he sets it up. Yeah, he's going to have to show us some toughness and bite down in, in, in some instances here in ways that maybe he hasn't had before. But how could you say anything negative, in my opinion, coming off of that Volkov fight? I mean, he answered all the questions I had. Plus, he was more offensive than I had seen him in certain moments in the past where you go, OK, looks great here. But what about this round against this guy or this? What a no, I felt like against Volkov, I saw enough. So if, if it gets hairy in there and he needs to fight from the outside and he needs to 
to you know survive in advance. I think he's got the skills to do it. So as much as I want to pick Lewis here, I love the hometown story. No one's a better quote. You gotta go gone. You gotta. You gotta do it, bro. You you got. I know you guys drink a lot of coffee down there, and it could get you crazy <laughs> in the head. You gotta pick gone though. You gotta do it. Yeah, it's interesting for the Lewis because it's like what you mentioned. It's kind of like if DC was still around, it would be a different story. But what a great timing for him. I mean, even though Gan's a super tough fight, he's still got the style to, you know, be risky in that one. And even in the uh, Francis Nagano fight, you know, he already, he's, he's been in there with Francis. So the timing for him is great. He's already got a big following. I wonder what it would do for his following and his name value in the history books if he's able to pull this off. I mean, timing-wise, couldn't be any better. Let, let's talk about the Michael Chiesa versus Vicente Luque fight, which is an excellent matchup in the welterweight division. I mean, how do you see Chiesa's smothering top control matching up against Vicente's wild and dangerous come forward and smash your face and style? And is there an X factor about Vicente that we haven't really seen in quite some time in any other fighters in the sense that he's the nicest guy? You know, he likes to dress, he dresses... He kind of dresses not like a fighter. He has nice shirts, nice tops. But when he's in there, he just loves being in the battle. He, he he loves absorbing strikes. It doesn't do anything to him. He loves being in a firefight, which is very scary for fighters when they face him. It is. It's very scary. And, you know, if you've got a gas tank issue, if you've got a chin issue, I mean, he's going to he's gonna be in there. He's going to get up in that ass, as they say. But I think <laughs> the X factor for me is, look, I don't want to say anything negative about Luke because he's one. I don't know. What's the number? Nine out of 10, 10 out of 11. I mean, he's got one loss in like the last five, six years, something like that. He's been on such a great run, but it has. We have to be honest. It has been against a certain level mm. of competition. The X factor for me was always, I said to myself, like, you know, there's always the, the front face analysis you give on the camera, but then the, hey, what if my best buddy texts me? What do you think about Luke? You'd probably give him a more like <laughs> cutthroat. Like, so my my best buddy text reaction to Luke is fun fighter, overachieves a bit because he puts it all out there. But when he, when he gets to the next level, he's going to get served because he's a little too willing to get in there. Now, I don't think he's going to get quote unquote served by Michael Chiesa. That's not his style, but I think the X factor is a potentially negative one for Luke. Meaning I think I've seen him hit a ceiling, even though it's impressive. And that win streak is great with that one loss in the middle. And you know, it's, he, he could also put on the pressure and just outwork Chiesa and get the win here. That's fine. But he still has to show me that there is an X factor, that there is another gear for him to get to that next level. I love the style contrast in this fight, no doubt about it. I think there's more to gain from Kiesa, who I think in this crowded title picture at the very top, a little bit of a bottleneck. I think Kiesa has a chance to, to potentially leapfrog others only because he hasn't fought. He's like the only guy in that mix that hasn't fought Usman mm. before and isn't coming off a loss. So if he goes out there and gets a win and looks pretty damn good, you could kind of talk yourself into Leon Edwards getting screwed over one more time, or maybe Leon's got to go fight Gilbert coming off the win. Who knows right now? We know Covington's got next. I feel like Kiesa could be next after that with a strong win here. So I think he's going to lean on his strengths. Uh, I like him. I would favor him, but I think this is going to be a very interesting battle because no one's here to say Michael Chiesa is the greatest striker or if he got into an even war with Luke, would he be the last man standing? I think this is still a fight Luke can win. That's why you love the matchmaking here. That's why you love the match. But I'm very high on how good Chiesa is at welterweight now that he's not doing those crazy weight cuts of old and how good his ground game is. That you know, That's why you love these type of perfectly contrasting style matchups when they have this much at stake. Yeah, 100%. Add in the fact that Michael Chiesa is pretty well in with the UFC, you know, does broadcast work, is generally well liked, and uh, he may have a pretty good case after this fight if he can get it done. Uh, but you mentioned stakes. Speaking of stakes, 
man, if the stakes are so high, as high as your balls, you don't want to be taking chances. Go with the best, and that is Manscaped's Lawnmower 4.0. The brand new baby is out now, and boy, is it better than ever, and was it worth the wait? You get it in the new Performance Package 4.0. The great lawnmower, you've got the uh, travel lock, so it doesn't go off on your bag. You've got the on-off switch, the ceramic blades. You've got more um, guards than ever, so you can adjust the length. It's waterproof, the LED light, it can be turned on and off whenever you want. It is vastly improved and the performance package 4.0. You also get the Weed Whacker. This guy's got 9,000 RPMs of power, so you can trim all your nose hairs. That's got the skin safe technology as well. It also comes with the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, which is very important when you're just leaving the house. You got the Crop Reviver Toner, which is kind of like a mid-game check. Maybe you're on a date and you're like, ooh, I want the boys to be fresh. This is going somewhere. So you, the Crop Reviver Toner works. And then you got the Performance Box of Briefs, so you can be wearing them and your balls can, you know, breathe. You don't want to be like Kramer and just not wearing anything down there. And then you got the Shed Travel Bag to you know, carry all the goods in. And the good friends at Manscaped are giving you 20% off if you use the code submission. So what are you waiting for? Go ahead and do it and save yourself some money. Save some bucks with that code submission. Save yourself 20% off. Isn't that right, Dennis? That's right, man. And that shed travel bag, by the way, has been all around the place with me. That thing is so secure and so easy to use. So just another added bonus from Manscaped. Why not jump on and get yourself that deal now and get free shipping too with that code word submission. But Cass, we're speaking to Brian about it right now, the big fights that are happening this weekend. And I mean, you cannot go past some of the crazy money that can be made. And there is only one place to go and do it. And that is with my bookie. If you guys sign up with promo code submission, you can take advantage of an up to $1,000, $1,000 bonus on your first deposit. That's with promo code submission. There are so many crazy things that can happen this weekend at UFC 265. Is Derek Lewis going to be able to do it? What round? is? going to come out and become the interim champion? What's going to happen with Vicente Luque? What's going to happen with Michael Chiesa? So many great fights on the card. What about the Olympics? Who's going to win the gold medal where? There is only one place to go, and that is my bookie. Go to my bookie today. Use the code word submission. Use that one up to $1,000 bonus on your first deposit. Make it rain. You know, Christmas comes early. I was going to say in July, but it could come in August if you go to my bookie. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere, only at my bookie. And Cass, I mean, I'm speaking of the fights coming up. You'll see 265. There is nothing worse. And I know you and me have experienced it over and over again where you want to go watch the fights with your mates and you cannot find a pub to go watch it at. You know, and there's nothing worse, by the way, of going in those chats and people are suggesting uh, pubs on the other side of the state because they don't know where to go and that's the only one they've ever seen. There is only one place you guys can go to solve all these problems nice and quick, and that is MatchPint. MatchPint lists all the pubs and bars that are showing sports near you and that are showing UFC 265. All you need to do is click the link in our description, visit the website, you can, guys can see exactly where you can watch UFC 265. And in the future, if you go on the website, you can search for all the sporting events that you want to find. I mean, with the Olympics right now, with the fighting right now, with UFC 265, you don't want to show up to a pubcast and uh, they're playing the uh, goat herd racing mm. uh, from 2008. Mm -hmm. And even though that is a very, very monumental race, you want to watch UFC 265 on the big screen. They tell you where it's playing. They tell you if it's on the big screen. They tell you all the deals at the pub. There is no better place to go to find that out. And Cass, I mean, for example, 
so many great places just in Victoria Lane to watch the fights. Yeah, that's right. You can even use the, the map feature so you can basically pin your location uh, using your GPS and then that way it just shows you, all right, what's near you? You can check out the pubs. You can see what kind of deals they've got going on. You can add your teams. It doesn't have to be just UFC 265 this weekend. If it's soccer or any other sports, you can use that too. There's a video playing right now uh, that shows you exactly how it's done and use the uh, link in the description below. Just click it. It'll take you straight to the website. It'll take you straight to UFC 265. So you don't have to mess about. I'll show you the pubs and, and where exactly you can watch the fights this coming weekend. Uh, but I think we've got about one or two minutes left with you, BC. So we'll make it super quick. I have to kind of give almost a shout out, give a mention to the co-main event. You've got Aldo versus Munoz, which can only be one thing. And that's an absolute banger that'll make us MMA fans blow our collective loads at just how violent this wow, one could possibly wow. be. We're going there, BC. Man, body shots, leg kicks, the return of three round Aldo. You know, if we can't have Nunes versus Pena, it's a pretty tasty new co-main event. What are you, what are you expecting here? And I'll hit you with a double because you got to go in a second. You know, if Aldo can win here, or maybe even if he loses, can we please have Aldo versus Dominic Cruz? You know, two two icons of their divisions now fighting in the same division. The leg kicks versus the footwork. Oh man, I am excited we about have Munoz so many though. Old guys. At 135, old guys that are still lingering that I love watching fight, right? Like Edgar mm. and Mr. Faber and uh, Dom Cruz. I mean, it, it's a fun group right there. I don't think Aldo's done fighting for the Bantamweight title. I think he has a good chance to win this fight. And I think with his name value and his fun style and this in this sort of reborn look at 135, he's still going to be a big player. This is going to be a tough fight. These guys are so much more alike than I realize, right? It's like they're both from Brazil. They were born the same year, two days apart. And they're both at this point sort of like really heavy counter punchers who don't like to take a step backwards and like to come in there and pick their spots and unload. So you have to expect a fun fight here. Aldo's the you know better fighter and he's got the longer reach, a significantly longer reach, and certainly you know a decorated a better decorated history. But Munoz is tough, man. If you sleep on him, if you're not in the right frame, uh, he can get you out of there. I just feel like at the end. It's going to be a little bit like the Spider-Man meme. They're both going to go in there with the same bite-down style and go after it. But Aldo's just a little bit better. And I love this version of him at 135, man. hes I don't know how he makes it. His body is a wonderland. I mean, there's, there's it's a tight as shit. There's nowhere else to put any more, any more body fat or, or muscle. But he's just like this badass slugger. He's not coming at you with old school leg kicks or looking to outwork you. But he's he's there to knock you out if you're you know if you're not Peter Yan or you're not above that level right there. So I think he can get the win here. And there's just something about Josie Aldo's now in that like full on love old school warrior stage where anything he does positive, we're, we just we drink it down. You know, we just go freaking nuts. I think it's going to be a big boom. He's gonna the, the crowd's gonna go wild and he's gonna have a big moment. And as deep as this division is. Dana loves taking people with big names and putting them back in title fights. So, you know, he if he lingers, I think there's still some big business for Jose Aldo, even though we saw what happened at the highest level against Pityron. I love it. BC dropping some John Mayer knowledge on us. Guys, make sure to follow the man at B Campbell, of course, at Morning Combat. Vote for the guys at the World MMA Awards. Well-deserved, man. Congratulations to you and Luke. I, and of Hey. Who dropped the ball not putting submission radio on there? Are they not uh, watching the numbers? We'll live, not, I mean, through we'll, you. we'll live through you guys. We'll live through you guys. And everybody else can live through you guys every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern, 1 a.m. Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday nights in Australia when you guys do the show. Brian, thank you so I mean, much. I mean, hell, Wani DC, they're not even a show anymore last time I checked. <laughs> like, come on, okay? Enough with Canada. Australia will rise again. Thank you, fellas.